0: book of hebrews in chapter 12 we're going to be in verse 2 tonight this morning we talked a little bit about laying aside every weight laying aside the sin that does easily beset us and running our race with patience tonight we're going to look just a little bit at a man that ran his race with patience and by man i use that term loosely jesus was a hundred percent man and a hundred percent god and I know the math don't add up, but you're going to have to have faith that it's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The Bible says here that, well, let's go ahead and read it. Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 2. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather at your house tonight. God, we thank you for the rain you sent our way, all the blessings of the day that you've bestowed upon us. God, help us tonight. God, that we could draw closer to you, that we could look into your word, God, and see the example that Jesus left. God, that we could run our race with patience. God, that even we could count it joy. God, to, to suffer and endure for you. God, help us so we could submit our life to your will every day. God, most of all, for being lost one among us this morning, they could see their need of a Savior. Bless those that ask interest in our prayers. Forgive us for we fail you. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. Now most of the time, whenever you're talking about works of literature, you, you have an author and then you have a finisher. Especially whenever it comes to me, I'm, I'm pretty good at writing. I thoroughly enjoy it. But I am a terrible proofreader. Uh, if you've ever gotten a text from me, you understand. Most of the time, I don't pay a lot of attention to grammatically correct. I don't pay a lot of tenses to past and present and future tense. And a capitalization is something that often escapes me. And so whenever I would write papers for college and whenever I write now, my wife proofreads them for me and my mom used to proofread them for me. And uh, Whenever I got to college, I would pay somebody else to proofread them for me. And I just never was any good at that part of it. But Jesus, Jesus didn't have a flaw where he had to have somebody else do part of it for him. Jesus was the author. Not only that, he was the finisher. The author and the finisher is the beginning and the end. The Alpha, the Omega. He's the one that that set our example before us and he's the one that rewards us for it. All at the same time. He is the beginning and the rewarder. He is the precedent for our faith. He is the reason that we have faith. He is the reason that we even have an inkling of what faith is. It's because of Jesus. He's the reason that we have any kind of hope at all. Is because of Jesus. Whenever we talk about Jesus being the, the precedent for our faith, we understand that that by breaking down that particular word, that, that the word comes from, from preceding. Something that comes before. And in order for us to have faith, we have to have faith in something. In order, for, in order for us to believe, we have to have something to believe in. Jesus gave us that. In order to have faith, we have to, there has to be a base for it. Otherwise, faith means nothing. Whenever you ask somebody, well, why do you believe this? It's always been that way. It's not an answer. That's not faith. Why do you believe this? I was told to. That may be the right answer sometimes, but that's not an answer. Whenever you believe in something, you have to have a basis. And the concrete foundation of our faith rests solely on Jesus Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the reason that we have any kind of faith at all through the entire chapter of Hebrews in chapter 11, these people had faith, most of them in the coming of Christ. It said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, He fulfilled the Scripture. He finished it. Our faith is based on Jesus. Jesus is the Gospel. The Gospel is the Word of God. Our faith is based on the fulfillment of the Scripture. Every prophecy in this book that foretold of Jesus was fulfilled. Even the smallest, and, and I, I think it's absolutely wonderful, there's a picture that kind of floats around, you see it every now and then, of the chain references that, that go on in the Bible. And it's all different colors, and it said the Bible book, from Genesis to Revelations, has more references, talking about looking back and, and prophecies looking forward, has more references back and forth than any other book that's ever... Ever been written. From what I hear, I hadn't checked it. But everything lines up. Everything that Isaiah said about Jesus came to pass. Everything that Abraham believed about Jesus came to pass. Everything that the Old Testament said was coming came. Everything about the word the, of God, Jesus fulfilled. 100%. Jesus is the finisher because he is the proof of living grace. Whenever you say, well, I have faith, well, well, where's your proof at? That's, That's the big word that people like to use whenever you're telling them about Jesus. What proof do you have? If you're here and saved, you have proof that Jesus is the finisher of our faith. If you're here and saved, you have proof because the Holy Spirit lives within you. Because you know the peace of God that come upon you whenever you got saved. And you understand that Jesus Christ is the proof. Because he is the living testimony of grace. He came and did for us what no man ever could do. But also what no man ever would do. I can't think of anybody else that would die for everybody. Good and evil. People say, well I would die for my family. Yes, but would you die for somebody you never knew? Every now and then you'll find somebody, yes, they'll die for a stranger. Policemen, EMTs, soldiers. They'll lay their life down for people that they have no idea who they are. But Jesus knew who we were. He knew that we wasn't no good. He knew exactly who Osama bin Laden was. He died for him anyway. He knew exactly who Hitler was. He died for him anyway. He knew exactly who Muhammad was going to be. And he died for him anyway. Jesus didn't die for strangers. He he died for everybody. He knew exactly who they were and did it anyway. He knew he wasn't no good. He is the proof of living grace. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, now we've talked a little bit before about what Jesus endured on the cross and if uh they, they made a movie about it. And if you've seen it, they, they recommended that younger people not see it because it depicted the the gruesome death of Jesus. And I don't want to dwell on the death of the cross tonight, but I want to talk about the, the things that Jesus endured up to this point. I don't particularly care when people talk about me very much. It it is what it is. Whoop de doo. Everybody has their opinion and opinions mean something. But whenever somebody's just talking about you to run you down, if you let that get under your skin, it'll get on you. You got to let it roll off your back. But Jesus here, from the, from the time he was old enough to know better to the time he died, people were hunting fault in him. People were accusing him falsely. People were talking about him. People and Satan was tempting him. They were hunting the reason to discredit him at every step of the way. And Jesus never once grabbed one by the throat and threw him across the room. I don't read it anywhere where he did. Now, he run them out of the temple one time, but it didn't say that he grabbed them by the ear and twisted it and twisted it and let them out of the way. Jesus was never mean to these people. Jesus knew everything that they he, he could have blown their mind in a couple of words, and he didn't. He endured the shame of the cross. He endured the contradiction of sinners. Talking to people and, and trying to talk to people about Christ is difficult, but it's a little bit harder whenever they try really hard. And, and people do, especially lost people trying to make an excuse for why they're not going to trust Christ. Well, try to contradict every word that you say. Well, you need to be saved. Well, saved from what? I ain't never done nothing wrong. Well, you're a sinner. Well, I'm no worse than that guy sitting back yonder. I'm no worse than the guy down at the prison. Didn't say it was any worse than them. We're all bound for the same hell before Jesus Christ saved us. Every one of us. From man, I use Hitler all the time because he's a terrible person. And I hope before his death he accepted Christ. If he didn't, we'd all know exactly where he's at. If he did, we know exactly where he's at. But the reality of it is, is that, that he was bound for the same hell as me and you before Jesus stepped into our life. Same thing goes for the drunks, the crack kids. Those addicted to drugs, rapists, murderers, all bound for the same hell that Jesus Christ turned our life around. And he can do the same for them. But throughout his entire ministry, he endured contradictions saying that that, saying that how could he be the son of God. Two weeks ago we talked about they accused him of being above, casting out devils in the name of Satan. They accused him of everything he possibly could. They ran him off. They plotted against him. At no point in time did did Jesus completely and totally blow up on them. He endured, and we're going to read in just a second, he endured the contradiction of these people because they didn't know no better. Whenever people run us down for being Christians, it's not because they're absolutely mean people. It's because they don't know no better. Paul tortured, consented to the death, and locked up Christians until he learned better. Paul was a, or Saul rather, was a terrible person to be around. Everybody was scared to death of him, I bet you. But whenever he got his life turned around, whenever he began to know better, then here he come. There was a book that Emily's parents brought to the house, must have been yesterday, it said potty training in one day. I'm like, son of a gun. Got the secret <laughs> recipe. Until kids know better, they'll take a league anywhere. It's true. But once they know better, they start learning. Once they know better, they make it to the bathroom sometimes. Once they know better, they have a goal and an objective. But until they know better, there ain't a whole lot you can do about it but clean it up. That's about the extent of it. I'll figure that out by this time next year. I promise. But these people didn't know no better. The people that were fussing at Jesus and griping at Jesus and plotting against Jesus and speaking all manner of evil against Jesus didn't know no better. They was just upset at him. Didn't know why. Satan was using them. But they didn't know no better. And neither in word nor action did Jesus speak out against them. Did he run them down? Did he escape them never to return? He could have. The Bible says that he could have come off that cross. He could have called legions of angels. There's a song, and it used to be my favorite song to lead in church. He could have called 10,000 angels. And the song is is a beautiful song. It starts off kind of slow, and then right there in that chorus, when you speed it up, it kind of gives me chill bumps. He could have come off that cross. It was completely and totally in his power. He was bleeding. He was hurting. You can see the bones where his back was laid open. He'd been spit on. He'd been beat. He had nails poked through him. And he was hanging on a tree by the holes that were in his hands and feet. They offered him vinegar to drink. They pierced his side with a spear. And he never came down. He never came off that cross. He never asked for, for help to get Him off that cross. Why? The Bible says right here, He said for the joy that was set before Him. Jesus knew He was going to have to suffer all this whenever He came down from heaven. The song, What's Up? What a Savior says He came down from heaven and gave His life blood. Why? Why? To make the vilest sinner clean. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it because we needed him. And all the things that he suffered and everything that he did was because of the joy that he had for you and for me. For the opportunity that we have to be saved. For the joy that was set before him. All his sufferings he counted as joy. All the things he endured. And I don't know if Jesus smiled a lot. I I kind of like to imagine that he did. But I imagine that that we were crossing his mind every time he was enduring the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Whenever he was enduring one of his disciples betraying him. Whenever he was enduring all of his disciples turning loose of him and running off like a bunch of chickens. We'd have done the same thing. But whenever he was enduring friends leaving him whenever he was hanging on the cross looking down at his mother, he counted the joy because he knew what was coming of it. He counted the joy because he knew that if he'd have come off that cross, that we'd all ended up in hell. Amen. And he stayed up there for me and for you. That's it. There's no other. He didn't stay up there for him. He didn't need that. He didn't stay up there for them that was poking him with the spears, except that they could be saved. They nailed him to the cross. And there's a song, I can't remember the exact title. Nails held him there or something or other. But love made him stay. And that's the extent of it. Love made him stay. Looking at the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Isaiah said that that there would be a man to come. And they called him all different names. But the last one was Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. If you're here and you've been saved, then you understand that Prince of Peace part. If you have faith in the same Jesus Christ that I do, then you understand the Mighty God part. He was as much God as He was man. And today He sat down at the right hand of God and He's making intercessions for us. We're not going to get into Melchizedek, but but the Bible says that Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek. He is our high priest because He's making intercessions for me and for you. Whenever we pray, we can't pray directly to God. We don't deserve to anyway. But we pray through Christ Jesus. Because he is our high priest. He died for us. And even after suffering the death of the cross, even after enduring a life of shame, he continues to sit there for us. For me and for you. So that we could reach God. So that we can pray. So that we can have direction by the Holy Spirit. I I don't know and I like to think that Jesus looks after each and every one of us and People will talk about guardian angels and whatnot, but I like to think that Jesus watches over all of us. And that he makes intercessions for his father, to his father for us, each and every one of us. And he does it for the same reason he endured the cross, out of love. He does it for the joy that he has whenever he sees a lost person be saved. The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice. The song says just one more soul makes it worth all. Everything. And if Jesus could die for every person, why can't we just give up just a little bit for one person? We talked this morning about the race, and we're, we're to run our race like Jesus. Jesus is our example. We're going to read verse 1 again. Wherefore, we are seeing, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, comma. That does not stop. He pauses so that we can take a breath. That verse continues to keep going. We have a race that is set before us, and we are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Those two verses go right along together. They they put the one and the two in there whenever they translate it. to make it easier to find. Whenever it was written, there was no one and two. This was one big, great, long sentence. We're to run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Period. We have an example. We have bunches of examples in Hebrews in chapter 11. But we have one major example throughout the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelations, we have the example of Jesus Christ. Who for everything that he went through did it for me and for you. Who with everything that he endured did it for me and for you. With everything that he suffered. With the shame. With the physical anguish. The scourging the nailing to the cross. The betrayal by his friends, disciples. He did it all for me and for you. And if Jesus can endure all that, why can't I endure somebody talking about me? Why can't I endure just a little bit of backbiting? Why can't I endure just a, just a little bit of suffering? We're not even getting close to the things that, that Jesus suffered, that Paul suffered, that Stephen suffered, that the disciples suffered after Jesus' ascension. We're not even getting close to that. And they suffered it with patience. And whenever Stephen died, he, he asked God to forgive him. They were stoning him to death. And he asked God to forgive him. Jesus was hanging on the cross, bleeding from every inch of his body, and he asked God to forgive him. And whenever somebody says something funny to us, we take it out on them. And we won't come to church or we won't go to family get togethers because that person's mean. I'm not trying to be funny, I'm serious as a heart attack. We act like a bunch of babies whenever it comes to forgiving other people, whenever it comes to having patience with other people, whenever it comes to showing the love of Christ to other people. We do. been there. I've been one of them babies. Just because somebody said something wrong. Because somebody didn't. somebody didn't treat us the way we thought we ought to have been treated. Whenever we get to thinking of it, I think the saying goes, if, if I could buy him for what he thinks he's worth and sell him for what he uh, what he's really worth, we'd be in really good shape. Yep. And the reality is, that if we're all worth the same price, and Jesus paid it in blood, He paid it for you and He paid it for me. And He said that He said that after we're saved, we have a job to do. We're to run our race with patience. We're to run our race so that whenever we get to the finish line, we can hear, well done. Because right now, I don't think we're there. I don't think we're to the point that God can say, well done. I think that there's too much, especially in my life, that I, that I haven't done, too many opportunities that I've passed up. And I believe that we could all do a little bit better whenever it comes to allowing God to use us. Whenever it comes to loving other people, whenever it comes to forgiving other people, The Bible says 70 times 7, but I think whenever we get to 490 times, we should just keep on forgiving. By that point, we ought to be good at it, right? We ought to be good at it. If we could love like Jesus could, if we could have an inkling of the love that Jesus did, our life would change completely. It is so much more fun to love people than it is to hate people. It is so much more fun to forgive people than it is to hold a grudge against them, to despise them, to stay away from them, to give them dirty looks. It's just more fun to love them. The Bible says to to love your enemies. It says that in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire up on their head because they'll know there's something different. What is human nature? You hit me in the face, I'm going to hit you in the nose. That's human nature. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But that wasn't Jesus' nature. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And He did. They pulled out his beard. It don't say that he slapped Nermy, one of them. They hit him. They beat him. It don't say that he fought back. I can see Jesus just laying his hand down, knowing that they was about to drive a big, dull, rusty nail through it. And I can see him laying it down. I don't think they had to fight him because he knew what was coming. The difference in Jesus and us is we don't know what's coming. We should, but we don't. We're not guaranteed to know results. We're not told that we have to know the results. D.L. Moody said that it's not our place to make men believe. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. We're here to plant the seed. As much rain as we got in the last three days, doggone it, it'll grow. We're just here to plant the seed. We're here to tell people about Christ. We're here to complete the commission that, that Jesus gave to the church. If you're here and you're part of the church, He gave that commission to you. He gave that commission to me. He gave the commission to all of us. He said, go into all the world. Teaching. Preaching. Baptizing. Witnessing. To everybody. To the uttermost parts of the earth. That don't leave anybody out. Whenever we're running our race, if we slow down, then we're failing God. We're not seeing the joy that's set before us. Jesus had that unique ability to see what was down the road. We don't, but we're guaranteed by God that we have an eternity in heaven. Brother Ed said in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago, he said that that whenever we get up there and we get rewarded, he said we're just going to give that crown right back because we don't deserve it. But God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And if we diligently seek God, if we ask for His will in our life, And I believe with all of my heart that he's going to give us opportunities to love people. He's going to give us opportunities to forgive people. He's going to give us an opportunity to witness to someone, to be a blessing to someone in some small way. The Bible says that a glass of water, a glass of water brings a great reward in heaven. And if a glass of water can bring a great reward in heaven, imagine what a kind word can do. Imagine what a meal can do. Imagine what a loving smile can do. Imagine what forgiveness can do. Whenever we're talking about loving people, we have an example. The author and finisher of our faith, he did it all for joy. He did it all for love. Nails held him there, but love made him stay. There we go. Got it right. Nails held him there, but love made him stay. We sing the song, Beautiful Star of Bethlehem. Whenever it's played fast like that, that's my favorite song. When it's played slow, it kind of irks me a little bit. But we have a beautiful star. Jesus is now that star divine, brighter and brighter. He will shine. And this is the time of year that we praise Jesus for His birth. This is the time of year whenever we celebrate the birth of Christ. Whenever Jesus left heaven, He came down here for you and for me. Whenever Jesus gave up the glories, of his father's house. He did it for you and for me. Whenever Jesus came down here as as a man and was tempted of Satan, he did it for you and for me. Whenever Jesus was questioned, whenever he was ridiculed, he did it for you and for me. Whenever Jesus endured the persecution, the contradiction of sinners, whenever Jesus endured the beating, the scourging, the cross death, he did it for you and for me. And if we could have the same joy that Jesus did, gosh, we'd all be in good shape, wouldn't we? If we could smile through the trials, if we could forgive as Jesus did, if we could love as He commands us to, it would change the world. And it all begins right here. It all begins with me and with you. It's holiday season. Everybody's going to see family that no doubt we've all fallen out with. I would like to challenge you. Find somebody that, that you don't like. Tell them you love them. Find somebody that the last time you talked, you argued. Tell them you love them. Find somebody that you had not talked to in years. Tell them you love them. Find you a stranger. Tell them that Jesus loves them. Find somebody that you're holding a grudge against and tell them you forgive them. it change the world. Jesus did. Why can't we? Run the race with patience. Look into the author and finisher of our faith who had joy in his race. We should have joy in ours. While we have a verse of a song,